Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Grayson Grunhafer joins us, 365 Sports recruiting analyst. All right, Grayson, I know that there are junior days and weekends and all of that continues. Let's start, though, uh, with the portal. I know that it's closed, and yet again, I don't know if it's ever closed, has Baylor taken, at least for now until the next time period, their last transfer player for this particular semester? It certainly feels that way. And obviously, you have two different cycles kind of kind of going on here, right? Because you got this one that is technically you could still add guys. I mean, I think Alabama still has this open 30-day window. And there's other schools kind of like that. And obviously more dominoes to fall with who knows what happens with Michigan and just all these different, you know, circumstances that could change things. But I think in general for Baylor, uh, you know, if they're going to take someone, it's going to be just a complete difference maker stud and likely an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, um, maybe a receiver. But again, it would just be, it would fall into the, you can't not take a prospect category. Um, but right now, the expectation is that they're pretty much done um, for this cycle. And that would be, you know, they have a solid group. They got nine transfers um, committed, you know, signed. Most are already on campus. Uh, also added two JUCO prospects as well. So you get some age there um, added to the roster. And so, yeah, I think right now you can pretty much pencil that in. So they're, they're pretty much done unless there's something, you know, some sort of moving part that happens as we know the transfer portal uh, is pretty crazy, but then you mentioned the fact that, oh, but then the next cycle, and I, I think sometimes people are kind of like, okay, what's the next cycle? Um, but that would come essentially in the summer, uh, but it truly is kind of after spring football where guys figure out where they are on their respective depth charts, how much they're going to play this year, get an idea of kind of what their role is going to be. Um, you could see more attrition on the Baylor roster, and you're going to see more attrition from rosters across the country, which could open up some more spots for Baylor um, and allow them to take more transfers. Uh, but I do think they will probably add some prospects during that cycle. Um, the question really is how many. And obviously, if you look back to this past year, they didn't really have a ton of success with the guys that they landed uh, during that specific cycle outside of Byron Vaughn, who was kind of up and down, but he was the most productive of the three uh, that initially signed. And so, um, yeah, you know, it, it's a risk, but I do think that if you read it and kind of listen to everyone's perspective going into that spring cycle, a lot of people think that it's going to be pretty crazy 
and that there's going to be a lot more guys in the portal that cycle than there ever has been uh, in the past. And if this fall kind of winter cycle is any indication of that, I feel like that's probably going to be pretty accurate. Grayson Junior Day is on Sunday this week, a, a big day uh, for recruiting for for everybody around the country. But uh, there are a ton of guys coming. If you had, and I'm going to put you on the spot, you can only pick one that's definitely coming to Baylor. Which would be the one that you would pick? Am I allowed to pick commits? <laughs> no, that's no, not. Yeah, you I'm, can't pick the commits. They've already said okay. yes. Yeah, so obviously five commits are going to – the five commits in the 2025 class are going to be at Baylor. So um, if I'm not picking those, you know, one of those five, it really is an interesting kind of conundrum because you got a lot of guys that have visited a ton. And so naturally you kind of think, okay, well, it's probably going to be one of those guys. But then Baylor sent out a ton of uh, offers recently. And so I think that's kind of clouded that a little bit. But I think if I were to pick one, just looking at – who's on the list, who I've talked to, the kind of relationships that they've built. Um, I'm actually going to go with a guy who I saw maybe two weeks ago, uh, Iowa Colony Edge, Christopher Johnson. Um, he's got a great relationship with the staff, specifically Caleb Collins. I know Caleb Collins and Dennis Johnson have been fighting over, uh, is he going to play Jack? Is he going to play defensive end? Um, we'll see on all that. Um, but I do think that Baylor's in a great spot with him. I think he's a really, really good prospect, currently a very – underrated prospect who had a great day when I saw him at the next level athlete uh, camp just a few weeks ago. Um, to me, he's very firmly a high three-star type prospect and a guy that you would definitely be excited about to have on your roster. I think he had like nine and a half sacks last year with one of the, the top defense linemen in his district. I, I believe he might've won defensive MVP in his district as well. Um, so very good prospect and one that I feel very good about Baylor's chances currently. Grayson, has there been any noticeable differences in just things you hear, the way they approach uh, who they're recruiting as compared to maybe the last few years? I just ask that because there are a lot of new faces. You've been around long enough to see how various staffs do it to, to varying degrees of success. Is there anything notably different? Or is it kind of just the same thing, new faces? You know, I got to say, and this might be this might be wrong, honestly, but just the way that I have looked at it, I mean, I've been covering the recruiting beat for Baylor since 2018. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of different kind of junior day lists. I've seen a lot of different, you know, strategies when it comes to recruiting. Um, but I do think that it's very important to mention Keenan Hall when we're talking about kind of what this junior day looks like. Because if you look through this group and you look how many guys are from the Dallas area and from you know, Red Oak or from different, you know, places kind of up along uh, I-35. And, and you're kind of just like, hey, you know, there's a lot of different guys coming, a lot of guys who I don't know if they would have come on a Baylor visit uh, if he wasn't on the staff now. And, and I think that's been something really intriguing. Obviously, two SMU commits are going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, Demetrius Brisbane um, and, of course, Ricky Stewart, both out of Chapel Hill, both guys that Keenan Hall recruited to SMU. Uh, but even more than that, I mean, Cameron Morgan, uh, the edge prospect out of Red Oak, I mean, that's a top 100 prospect in the country, uh, an elite edge type guy who, I mean, again, I don't know if he would have visited Baylor if Keenan Hall wasn't on the staff. And there's other guys like that as well, the South Oak Cliff guys. Um, I know Baylor's been really strategic as far as showing up at South Oak Cliff. Dave Randa was there. Keenan Hall's been there multiple times during when they were uh, traveling. So that area – Obviously, a lot of good players there, and so they're recruiting that heavily. So I think that's one of them. I do think, you know, the shifts in NIL, 
I think the shift in recruiting philosophy, especially with the fact that this class, uh, they have a lot more space in this class than they did the last one. I think it's going to cause them to utilize that a lot more and potentially have, you know, in the, I mean, they might even go over 20 prospects in this class, which certainly was not even close to being realistic in the last class. And because of that, it gives you a lot more freedom to uh, go out, recruit guys, take commitments early. Uh, you know, you can also wait for some of your high priority guys late in the cycle as well. So I think that a lot of those type of things, I think has made this junior day uh, a very special one for Baylor and one that, you know, if they can capitalize on it, it, it could be huge thanks to this 2025 recruiting class. Grayson, you uh, wrote about the schedule uh, in the premium section, and uh, I found it pretty interesting the, the way you kind of broke it down about what they need. I I, I, I do think it's pretty uh, a, a good point at number one that having two home games in November would be huge for this team, especially if they can get right at home this year and not have to travel that late because I, I do think the last two years it's it's not helped them at all. Right, I mean, 5-10 and ten in the month of November since Dave Aranda arrived in Waco, and that includes a current seven-game losing streak during that month. And that's just brutal, guys. I mean, that's the time where you're supposed to be competing for a Big 12 championship, where you're supposed to be finishing the season, you know, on a high note, right, where you're improving and getting better. And that simply just has not been the reality the last two years. And so – yeah, I mean, the schedule comes out on the 30th, I believe, is what Max Olsen reported. So I kind of just went in and went with the mindset of, you know, it would be great if Baylor could find a way to have at least two home games during that month just to give them more opportunities to um, not just win games, but win games in the season is coming to an end uh, and also making sure that the schedule isn't too brutal during that month. But yeah, it's pretty fun to do that. Obviously, we're going to know the real schedule in a week, but I kind of made up my own created one, the most ideal schedule. And obviously, you mentioned one of the criteria, and there's a few other ones in there if you want to give that a read. But yeah, I felt like it was a, a lot of fun and also something that is completely made up and probably won't happen at all. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Oh.